We're raising the praise all through this summer. We have 10 banners out in the lobby that represent the 10 years since Hurricane Katrina. 2006 and 2015 are almost all the way up to the ceiling. But the intervening years, we need to get more praises on. So I want you to think about it, okay? 2007, 8, 9, 11 is a little bit low. Think about something good, something God's done in those years. Make sure you stop on the way out and record your praise. We want to get all those banners all the way to the top as we raise the praise. I'm very grateful for our church staff that is so capable and thankful that I can get away, which I did for eight or nine days, and do some writing. And I turned in my manuscript, so I got that done. And uh, it was an important thing for me to get done, have a deadline. And I uh, am very comfortable to be gone because I've got Taylor to fill in for me. He's very capable at the Bible exposition. Thank you, Taylor. I've got Bob Moore. Bob, are you in the room somewhere? I'm not afraid to be gone because Bob Moore is always there to take care of things, our administrator. Christy's here, Christy Gibson, and Tim Johnson. So we've got a great staff. Madeline is here, my assistant, to take care of things. Of course, she's having a birthday this week, poor thing. And so make sure you give her condolences. Um, and so I'm grateful for our staff, and I know that you are as well. They're a terrific team of people, and and I enjoyed being away and glad to be back here to talk about raising the praise. Now, I'm not going to talk as much to the people on the sides as I normally do. Folks, I love you over there, but I got a crick in my neck today, so I'm going to let the Eason's have it, all right? You guys are getting it today. I'm going to look straight ahead more. I, I don't know how I got the crick. I was up in a oak tree yesterday cutting some limbs, and that could have been it, you know. But I woke up this morning with my neck stiff and thought, wow, that's different. So... I'm doing that, and I'm running on ibuprofen. And I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're talking about praising God in good times, in the good times. Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'm going to skip a few verses in here, and I'll try to remind you when I skip, but I want to read this passage from the Sermon of Moses. Moses never went into the promised land. You know that, right? He never entered the promised land. He talked about that land. He looked forward to that land, and he saw it from the mountain where he died but he never went in and he had something to tell the children of Israel on the brink of the promised land before they crossed the Jordan River and went into that land of promise and this is part of what he says to them I'm, I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 8 starting with verse 2 Moses says remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 6, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. 
When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Moses is a great lawgiver, the greatest figure of the old covenant, often quoted. We're going to look at a very famous quote of Moses today. Moses, on the cusp of the promised land, is concerned that the children of Israel may forget something. And so this text I read begins with the word, remember. And it is over and over again repeated, remember. It's why I have this shirt on. Because it's vacation Bible school. And I can send you an email, and I can put it on Facebook, and I can put it on the website of the church. But somebody's going to come next Sunday and say, did y'all have vacation Bible school? It's just inevitable. And so, Tim and I have decorated ourselves with the t-shirt from Vacation Bible School to make sure you remember. Remember to pray all this week. For the 500 people who are going to be on these grounds every day, studying the scriptures, singing the songs, learning about Jesus. We want you to remember. Memory's a tricky thing, like a thousand fish hooks in the mind. The most popular movie out right now is Inside Out. I've mentioned it before. Inside Out features a memory dump. Where the old memories go, they turn black, and then they disintegrate in the wind, and they are gone forever. There are some memories that are core memories that you can log in if you pay attention. Some of you think that you can fool with your phone and hear a sermon. But you already know that if you watch a television program or a or a movie, and you're fooling with your phone. When the credits roll, you sometimes wonder what it was about. Am I wrong? My father taught us early how to memorize scripture, and part of the secret was you pay attention, you focus. If you don't focus on that text, if you don't think about every word, if you don't consider the words and what they mean, and think about them, and string them together, and go over and over, just thinking about that text, you'll never get it memorized. So my father taught us how to memorize the text by rote, word by word, thinking about it, focusing on it, and we did when we were children. And do you know that I logged those verses into my brain, I guess, permanently? And 50 years later, I could still quote those passages that I learned when I was a boy. They became part of the long-term memory of David Crosby. They shaped my perspective, and I suppose they've even shaped my personality, these verses that I learned. 
Moses wants to deliberately implant something in the memory of the children of Israel. He's afraid they will forget. And so I want you to focus. I want you to pay attention. Because these are simple memories, and you need to get them. And if you have them, they shape who you are and how you see the world. And memory number one, he says, is this. Memory number one, man does not live on bread alone. That's not new to you. I imagine you already memorized that phrase. When I started the phrase, you may have been able to finish it. I saw somebody in popular entertainment this week who actually quoted what I just said. Man does not live on bread alone. But then she finished it with a phrase that had nothing to do with what Moses said. It was as if the verse is like a fill-in-the-blank. After you say, man does not live on bread alone, you can fill it in with anything you want. So, I want you to focus on the mouth. Because the scripture says, and Jesus quoted, not just the first part, man does not live on bread alone, but he also quoted, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I want you to think about that infant, that one-year-old, laying on her back watching you talk. Not looking in your eyes, not making eye contact, but watching your lips. How many of you have experienced that before with an infant? They're watching your lips when they're little because they're learning how to make the sounds. They're watching your mouth, not making eye contact. They're learning how to speak themselves. They're getting the T's and the S's and the M's by how you form your lips. And so the Word says that our life comes from the very words of God that proceed from His mouth. You'll remember the Scripture if you focus on the mouth. Man does not live by bread alone, but think about the mouth. But on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Because it's not only important what God says, but how he says it. So you want to watch his lips. Watch how he formulates the words. Because how he says it is just as important as what he says. And you get that by watching the mouth. This is fundamental memory. You need it logged into your brain. Moses is saying to the children of Israel, you've been living with lizards and scorpions and snakes for the last 40 years. You haven't had a place to call your own. You haven't had a bed that was yours. You've not been able to claim any property in all this wilderness wandering. You've been destitute. You've had nothing. And God brought you into this place. He allowed you to hunger so that he could teach you something. He's been teaching you something in the desert place. And the something is this, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That's what God is teaching you in the desert place. And if you've been in the desert place, and you've paid attention to the mouth of God, you know this to be true. In the dry place, in the difficult place, in the place when you had nothing, when everything was gone, when all was stripped away, you learned then that man does not live on bread alone, but on the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You learned it then. 
And the Israelites learned it then. They learned that life was more than bread, more than the physical stuff you hold in your hand, you put in your mouth. That life was relationships and love, spirit and truth, emotion and family, not just bread. We learned that lesson, didn't we, 10 years ago? I know a man, he may be in this room, who brought a U-Haul truck to his home after Hurricane Katrina to get out of his home what he could rescue. He backed that truck up to his house and took it back empty to the U-Haul place because everything he could save fit in a little trash can knee-high. And we learned that life was more than the stuff we had accumulated, more than the things that were ours. We learned that life was about relationships and about family and loving one another, helping each other and caring for each other. We learned it in the desert place, the difficult place, the hard place of life. My brother tells the story of how a young physician ran to the house of our parents when that house burned to the ground in the 45th year of their marriage. He didn't know what to do, but he wanted to help. The house was burning. My folks had to close on their back. My brother, Matthew, who was here a couple weeks ago, was 16 years old. He was wearing a T-shirt, and he was shivering. It was February. And the physician spontaneously took off his jacket and flung it around the shoulders of my 16-year-old brother. Then he turned to my father and said, how can I, I help you? And my father dropped his eyes to the man's pants and said, uh, what size are those trousers? (laughs) Andrew's dad, who tells this story, says, The man was flabbergasted and tongue-tied for a minute until he realized my father was joking. (laughs) With the light of the flames flickering on his face and the smoke rising from the embers of his house and everything in it. Dad held all along that God let the fire happen so we could get rid of all the junk. He maintained a sense of humor even in the presence of the loss. That's why I loved him and miss him so. He had a perspective about things that I think was similar and learned from the perspective of Jesus who says to us, your life does not consist of the things which you possess, who demonstrated amazing freedom from the tyranny of things. And in his own desert place, Jesus said, having not eaten for 40 days, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's a memory to log in from the desert time, from the difficult time, from the place you were when it was so hard, when things were few 
Learn it there. That's where you learn it. In the desert place, man does not live on bread alone. And memory number two, God gives the bread. God gives the bread. God is going to give you a good land. That's what Moses says. You're about to go into this land that God is going to give you. And it's a good land. God gives the bread. Every gift comes from him. He trained them in the wilderness with the manna that neither they nor their ancestors had ever seen before. They got into the desert and God sent the manna and every day they went out and picked it up. They were literally fed by the hand of God with a food they didn't even know before. God fed them to teach them, to log into their memory. Man does not live by bread alone and God gives the bread. Jesus incorporated it into the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. When you pray this model prayer, you ask God to give you your bread. And then at the Last Supper and many other times, he says, thank you for the bread. He takes the bread and gives thanks so that every single provision of God in your life, every piece of bread is bracketed by these movements of your heart toward God. Lord, give me today my daily bread. And when the bread is given, you say, Lord, thank you for the bread. That's how he wants you to live. That's how he taught them to live in the wilderness. That's how Jesus lived. That's how we're to live. Give us this day our daily bread. Everything comes from the hand of God. God provides it all. The water he provides in the wilderness. The bread he provides. The meat, the quail he provides. God is the provider. God gives the bread. Now Moses emphasizes this. He wants them to remember. Do not forget how God has provided for you in the wilderness. How you've eaten out of his hand and you've drank from his water. Don't forget this because when you get into the good land, there's coming a day when you're going to have your own house now. You're going to sit down at your own table and there's going to be a bounty heaped on that table that you never dreamed of when you were in the wilderness. And you're going to have fine cars and television sets and you're going to have money in the bank. And then there's this danger in this good place where you've ended up that you're going to forget who gives the bread. And in the presence of this abundance, you're going to have a conversation, not with your wife, not with your kids, not with your parents, with yourself. You're going to have this inner conversation about how you did it all. You're going to say to yourself, my power, my might, my risk-taking, my smarts, my motivation, my ambition, my hard work created all this wealth. It's going to happen. You're going to be tempted to do it. Maybe you can't even imagine the place I describe right now where you got everything, where you have more than your parents ever had. I think about how much Janet and I have right now compared to what our parents had, both of them, when we were growing up. And it is amazing, the accumulation of stuff and the advance of wealth in our world. And we get to this place 
where we have all this stuff and we begin to say to ourselves, I'm the man. I'm the woman. I did this. It was me. Sometimes we even say to ourselves, nobody help. I did it myself. I'm the one that set that alarm. I got up in the morning. I went to work. And we start taking the credit for everything around us. And that's when pride takes over and an arrogant attitude sets in. And we forget to give God thanks for what he has brought us. See, Moses says to them, God has given you even the ability to produce wealth. The ability you have is a gift from him. And you don't live in a vacuum. You are born with favor and opportunity in the land of the free, in the home of the brave. If you've been born in some other place, some other family, think what your life would be like from the very first breath on this planet. You've been blessed with a favor you never asked for, earned, or deserved. That's who you are. That's where you are. Where'd that come from? That's a gift from the Almighty who passed it on to you. It is grace in which you live. And yes, you worked hard. And yes, you've been smart. Yes, you've been diligent and disciplined. I hope so. You've been a good steward. Yes, I hope so. And even still, with all that, I know a man who is a steward with the sticks he picks up every day and he works so hard and he stores them up and he puts them on his donkey and he takes them to the market. And that's the life of that man's stewardship. Yeah, you've been blessed with favor. And the truth about your life is every good thing is a gift from above. You are blessed with a God who loves you and cares about you. And when you have this inner conversation about how good you are, you got to remember the wilderness. You've got to go back in your mind and heart to the place where you were when God found you. You got to remember the wilderness journey where you learn that man does not live by bread alone. And that bread is a gift from God. And you must give him praise. That's the third rem memory. Remember to praise the Lord your God when you get into that good land. Remember to give him praise. Because praise puts life in its proper perspective. It liberates you from the stinginess that hangs on to the stuff. Sometimes at great loss in relationships and people and love in your life. It reminds you that the stuff is not what your life consists of. Praise reminds you that God is great and he is good and every good thing comes from him. And praise is appropriate in the good place 
where you've ended up in your life to give him praise and glory and honor because he alone is worthy. When we get inflated ideas about how good we are, how skilled we are, how smart we are, how productive and motivated we are, we need to take a good look at ourselves. The scripture says, the Lord looked down from heaven on all mankind to see if there was any who followed after God, any who sought God. And he didn't find a one. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There's not even one righteous. No, not one. I predict that there are moments in your heart when these words are true about the way you see the world. You read about Bill Cosby and his apparent serial rapes. A man who moralized and preached to our generation. And you think to yourself, there's not one, is there? There's not one. There's not one who understands. There's not one who seeks God. All have turned aside. All have become corrupted. There's not even one. And you know in your own heart, when you take a hard look here, I wonder if this verse, the Lord looks down from heaven, if it doesn't fit the mind, the honest perspective of every person in the room who looks at the people running around on the planet, the people that we know so well, the people we rub shoulders with, go to school with, do our work with. And sometimes we get back and we stand back and we look and we say, not one, Lord, not one. I flew in by helicopter 11 days after the storm and saw these colorful shapes under the water on West End Boulevard, and it took me a while to realize what they were. It was probably 200 yards with the helicopter thumping down West End Boulevard before it occurred to me that all the residents around that great median had taken their cars before they evacuated and parked them in long lines, and there are hundreds of cars on West End Boulevard, and I can see them as we fly by helicopter under the waves, buried for 11 days now in the water. Six months later, that great median of West End, I guess a 1,000 feet wide and three miles long, will be heaped with the debris of a swamp that was settled and civilized by us. They'll divide the debris into appliances, wood and shrubs, household goods and furniture, sheetrock, lumber, 
insulation, the stuff from the gutted homes. And when they're done, the debris on West End Boulevard will stretch from one end to the other, from one side to the other, piles of it 30 feet All the accumulated belongings of thousands of people working years stacked in the median, ready to haul to the landfill. Remember what it smelled like? Remember trying to walk down the street or do your run in the morning and every car that passes you are choked by the chalk from the sheetrock that lifts up into the air and you finally just give up and go home because you don't want to breathe the stuff and smell the rotten stuff anymore. And to think that the physical garbage we accumulate is nothing compared to the spiritual failure that is ours. God loved us when not one of us loved him. And he reached down and rescued us. And the most amazing thing about the love of God is that he removes all this spiritual garbage in us. All the pride and arrogance and failure, deceit. And he takes it and he buries it in a landfill so far away you will never smell it or see it again. That is the marvel of God's love for you who are certainly one of those along with me that turned away, got corrupted and had to be rescued from a place we couldn't rescue ourselves. So to remember to praise him is to acknowledge that his grace is sufficient for every day. We live in grace, we walk in grace, we move in grace, we're saved by grace, sanctified by grace. In the process of living in grace, it is grace in which we stand. And we confess that when we remember. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. God gives the bread, and I must praise him. Bow with me, please. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as Savior before in all your life. You've thought about it. You've heard the gospel. You know that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. This is a great moment to just drop your head and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Just, just talk to him. Please forgive me for my sin. Confess your belief in him. Just tell him, Lord, I know that you died on the cross for my sin, that you rose again the third day. Commit your life to him. You see, I don't know why God would receive me. Well, it's his grace. He loves you. Lord, thank you for taking all the garbage and burying it in the depths of the sea.
Thank you for rescuing us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. Do your work in us in grace, we pray. Help us to live in grace and walk in grace, enjoying the favor that you provide. In Jesus' name we pray.